Today's episode of the Gaucho 9 podcast is brought to you by our great primary sponsor, Kyle's Kitchen. Check them out in Goleta and Santa Barbara. They got all kinds of new stuff going on. They got all kinds of stuff in the community going on. Check them out online, kyleskitchen.com. You can donate to great causes if you go on their website and you can go in and see Kyle, have a great burger, have an adult beverage, and just have a grand old time in the community. So check out Kyle's Kitchen. We are also brought to you by Smart Office Interiors, who has helped us really redo a lot of the team rooms at Caesar Wasaka Stadium. Desk space, couches, rolling ottomans, everything is fantastic. Check out Smart Office Interiors. They are in Goleta. You can call them at 805-965-8585. Again, that's Smart Office Interiors, proud sponsors of the Gaucho 9 podcast. All right, today... On our penultimate podcast of the fall here in 2021, we have Michael McGreevy, first-round pick of the St. Louis Cardinals back in July, and Chris Troy, who was a 12th-round pick of the Boston Red Sox back in July. And we sat down and reminisced about their time as Gauchos. And we had a special guest jump on in the middle, so you got that to look forward to. And I also want to premise this. About five minutes into when we were recording, Chris is at a coffee shop in town, and there was an incident. It was non-sinister in nature. It was really funny when it happened, but we had to cut it out, and we refer to it a couple times throughout the podcast. So if you're confused about what we're referring to, that's the incident that we're referring to. So I'm not going to give any more details. It was it was pretty funny. It was non sinister, totally uh, totally fine. But uh, we we had to to take it out. Uh, wish we could keep it in, but you can talk to Chris about it. It was pretty funny. Okay, let's get to uh, Michael McGreevy and Chris Troy. You're on the Gaucho Nine Pod. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America. The Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one strike pitch, and Mitchell bounces to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He's at the track, he's at the wall, he leaps at the wall, and this one is out of here. Christian Kirtley. Gauchos are going to Omaha, can you believe it? John Newman wins it for the Gauchos. In the score is two. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 champions of the Midwest. All right. Today, on the Gaucho 9 Podcast, we have a couple former Gaucho pitchers. And what a better way to start off a Thursday morning than talking baseball with Michael McGreevy and Chris Troy. McGreevy, of course, hails from San Clemente. He was a first-round pick, St. Louis Cardinals, 18th overall, freshman All-American, two-time first-team All-Big West, yada, yada, yada. Second in NCAA and strikeout-to-walk ratio. I know he's really proud of that in 2021. And uh, he was the fourth Gaucho pitcher to record 15 strikeouts in a game. That happened against Cal Poly this past season. And in his career, he finished with 194 strikeouts in 189.1 innings. 
and he had a 16-3 record with six saves and a 2.33 ERA. Not too shabby. Yeah, it's not bad. Not too shabby. Now, CT, Brentwood, California, Heritage High. What's the mascot at Heritage High? The Patriots. 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 Go Pats. Under Armour All-American in high school, 12th round pick of the Boston Red Sox this past year, in 47 career appearances as a gaucho, 84 strikeouts in 56 innings, 14 and a half strikeouts per nine. 14 and a half. That's pretty good. And he was a Big West champion 2019, pitched in a couple regionals, 2019 and 2021. And uh, you guys are both here. You guys are both in Santa Barbara, in Isla Vista, and uh, enjoying the uh, cool, overcast morning. So let's check in. Uh, where are we at? CT, you were on the Zoom first. We haven't heard from you. We heard from Michael a couple months ago, so we haven't heard from you yet. Let's uh, let's get the rundown. Where are you at? What are you doing? First off, you know, when after hearing the uh, the McGreevy intro, I was like, oh god, I don't know how I'm gonna follow that up. But you made it. You made it. You made it sound much more glamorous than it was. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, I'm excited to be here with both UKC and New Greaves. Um, and it has been far too long. I'm currently living in Isla Vista, living in my grandfather's van, and showering at my brother's apartment. So working out with Peter Park at Platinum Fitness in Summerlin, and just started my throwing program yesterday. So I'm going to start ramping up here and being more around Caesar and more around uh, UCSB baseball, which I'm really excited to be. Okay, let's unpack this a little bit. Your grandfather's van. Or yes. is it like VW bus? Is it a sprinter? Like, is it some kind of big Dodge? Like, what is it? Not at all. It's a uh, it's a Dodge Grand Caravan. Um, where yes. All all of the seats just fold into the ground. So <laughs> so or into the the bottom of the van. So it's uh, got enough room for a twin size mattress topper and a pillow and a blanket. And it's been it's been working wonders. So. Well, looking at your bio. Are you still six foot four, two hundred and twenty-five pounds? Probably not after Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> I went home for Thanksgiving, and uh, you know, living in the van, you know, there's not too many, there's not too many food options. So going home, especially doing my mom's Hawaiian cooking, it's uh, it's 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 definitely a time that I like to take advantage of of the food. So probably gained a little bit of weight, um, but that's fine. I was going through a little bulk phase in the weight room, a little strength and volume. Uh, phase and so now i'm transitioning more to just ramping up and getting ready to be a pitcher and uh, getting ready to head out to spring training in the february and that's all supported on a twin mattress in a van yes that's impressive yes that's impressive it's not glamorous as you mentioned uh before we started not glamorous but probably it, there's probably some fun to that absolutely yeah absolutely i mean i you know it's not it's not glamorous um but it is a lot of fun, and it's something I've never done before. And I figure, you know, if there's ever a time to do it, it's probably 22 years old in my first professional offseason. So hopefully this isn't a, a reoccurring theme for my for my offseasons, but um, it's not a bad way to start my first one. Michael, so you, we've, we've seen you at the yard a few times playing yeah. catch with Rod. Uh, you've come to enjoy some of the scrimmages. Mm-hmm. Uh, picking sides in the Blue-Gray series and, and stuff like that. Uh, how's the, how has it been returning to campus and not being on the team? It's definitely been weird. I mean, 
every time I've come up to Santa Barbara, it's just, you know, you get into the apartment and then you kind of just prepare for the brunt of fall. Um, and fall is just a very grindy time with tour, like the 20 hour week with practices, like early mornings, like weights every day, yada, yada, yada. So it was definitely weird to have a lot of free time, um, just kind of sitting around the house, especially when it wasn't throwing. It was just a lot of things I'm just not used to. And so I had to kind of kill that time with coming to the field, watching the scrimmages and stuff like that, just to kind of get a sense of uh, normalcy and stuff like that. But it's definitely been nice being back and having a, a break from baseball because it was just a long year of baseball, just with the college season, then the draft, and then the pro, the, like the two months of pro season that I was in. It was just a lot, and my mind definitely needed a break. How are you feeling physically? You're playing. You're playing catch. Uh, you look. You look pretty good wearing your Cardinal stuff. I don't know if it's just the different colors that make you look a little bit bigger red, in shape. Red is, red is very loud. Red's very is. loud. You've got some bright red cleats. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mary Greenby looks good in anything, man. Oh wow! But when you when you look good, you look good. Oh, okay. Greenby looks good. So yeah, man. Blue, green, red, yellow, whatever you want to wear, dude. You can rock it. You're a good looking cat. Thank you, Troy. Absolutely. You're, but your your workout program. Are you doing your own, or are you you doing the stuff in Summerlin too? Uh, no, I'm not working out in Summerlin with the guys. I'm doing uh, the workouts I did over the COVID summer when I went back home uh, with Redline Athletics. So I just like took some of my sheets, like old like month to month workouts, and just brought them up here. And I'm interning in the weight room right now at the ICA. Nice for, uh, for credit. And I just. I my shift actually starts and like, eh, I normally lift at nine, but this was more important. So we'll get to that later. Um, but I normally lift in there and then I kind of sit around with the other trainers and I clean up the weight room. I put weights away. I do the lot. I take the laundry out. It's, it's a good gig I got, but I, I normally work out in the ICA, just do my own program. Is, is putting the weights away a decent workout in itself? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, a lot of teams leave a lot of weight out. If Eric, if Eric Schmidt was still there, oh, my God, I would hate to see the punishments. <laughs> but baseball leaves it clean, right, when they're in there? I'm, not, I'm actually not in there with baseball. My shift ends at 2, and they lift at, like, 5. So when I come home, like, I either the position players in my room, in my house come back or Schreier comes back, and I know the other, uh, the other team is uh, lifting at that time. Now, when you guys – so – when you guys were gauchos, did you only lift in the morning? Because I know we've had on the on the pod we've we've had discussions not with you two specifically, but with morning lift versus after practice lift. I'm, I'm pretty sure. But did you guys ever lift after practice? Like have a like organized lift in your careers here? Yeah, I mean that was all of COVID summer. Or that was all of the COVID year. I mean, was it really? Yeah, I mean, well, last in, year in fall it was a hard. In fall, it was like 8 a.m., but during season, it was after practice, if I remember correctly. And even some of them were done in the uh, the little weight section that they have at the field by yeah. the uh, Bob Bronson, a player, player development facility. Yeah. That's right. So I know I did a lot of lifts after uh, post-throw over there. Yeah. Do you guys have a preference to before or after, or is or do they have benefits, both of them, and, and drawbacks? CT? I think it just depends on, you know, who you are as a player. And I think that's something that um, 
college programs have a tough time with just because everyone is different and it's tough to be organized and, and get a full team with a time slot to lift that accommodates everybody. You know, for me personally, like if, if, if it's a low or medium intent throw day, I don't mind lifting before I throw. Um, but if it is a bullpen or if it is uh, a heavy lift, then I would prefer after my, uh, after my high intent throw or the day after. So just you, really depends. Go ahead, Chris, finish your point. Yeah, just, I mean, it just really depends on, on who you are as a player and what you prefer. Mike? I mean, I think CT said it perfectly. I mean, the low intent, kind of medium throw days, like 90 feet to 120, kind of like a prep day. Like, I don't mind doing it before. And most of my time here, our weights were at noon. Um, and then we would have practice. But on the bigger days, like bullpen days, long talks days, um, I would definitely like to do it after just to kind of get the – like, don't, there's no wear and tear in my arm before the throwing, and then I can kind of crush my body after. Okay, so let's let's link this conversation into the summer where it was your first summer in pro ball. And pro ball is obviously different than college. And I'm curious if they allow you to continue doing some things that you do or they're trying to or if they're trying to switch things up and put you in a different program as far as your lifting during the summer with your pro teams. What do you got, C T? Uh I don't know how it was. I don't know how it is across the board, um, but I know that the, the Boston Red Sox organization, um, due to, you know, the draft being pushed back this year and just less time to actually play um, with the new draft class. So with the Red Sox, we spent the bulk of, of my time there, you know, just trying to learn the organization and how they go about the business and, and what they expect out of the players. Um, but I imagine, you know, after, after this first – this past season, uh, moving forward, it, it'll be a little bit more individualized. And I just came back from Instructs in October, where that's the goal of Instructs was to make an individualized player plan and, and really to hammer out the things that we need. Mike? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, once again, CT said, especially with the draft, <laughs> once like with the draft being pushed back, there was less time for teams to kind of like, know what to do so we were kind of the guinea pigs in a way or just like how I like to think about it uh, whereas like when the draft is in June you'd have like a couple more months um, they'd send you the short season a um, to get like a nice little routine just a short season in but they knew how to like lift with guys but with the shortened season now for us with this two months it was hey you might need to play you might want to throw we might shut you down. You're kind of in the middle. You just came off college season. So they weren't really sure. So the lifts were kind of more of what they like to do, what their foundation is um, in the Cardinals organization. And I think next year from what um, we had a trainer come out, talk with me and Tommy Jew just about all this stuff. And he kind of like broke it down for us. It's like the, like once you're in it for like a full year, it becomes very more individualized. And like that's what they want to get to. But for those first couple of like months that you're in the organization, they want to like see where you're at with like what's your experience with lifting. Um, because some kids coming out of high school with a DR, like they've never lifted like like well, or they just kind of pick up some dumbbells, do some curls, and that's about it. Versus like they want certain movements. So it's all about like a learning process. And 
they need to pick and choose or at least see like which guys are ahead of the curve or not. Okay, we we did talk to Michael about his summer and it was uh hanging out in a hotel, going across the street to the yard, maybe moving around and pitching a game here and there, going back to his hotel. So C T drafted by the Red Sox, twelfth round. Were you in Florida as well? What was your situation this summer? I was. I was living in Fort Myers, Florida. Um, and it was much of the same. And it was it was it was living in a hotel. Um we got catered three meals a day, which is pretty good. You know, good portions. That's usually my first. That's usually my first concern when it comes to getting fed. Is like, okay, well, is a portion going to be enough? Um, they they did a really good job taking care of us and, and feeding us and high quality food and portions were good enough for me. So, um, you know, it was it was it was different than I expected it to be, um, and and not bad or not good. It was just different and. For me, you know, I, I only pitched in two games. I only pitched two innings um, for the three months or two and a half months that I was out there. But it was living in the hotel, and it was it was it was baseball field, waking up early, going to the yard, getting your work in, and heading back to the hotel. Um, got to experience a little bit of Fort Myers. We down to Fort Myers Beach and, and got to check out the surrounding area. Naples is pretty cool down in that area, um, but also during hurricane season. <laughs> you know, so it's like it's like it's like we there's a week coming in and they said, OK, we got a category three hurricane coming in. And I'm thinking, OK, what's the evacuation plan? You know, <laughs> like, like okay, I've never been through a hurricane before. And so um, I guess common practice is just to just to wait it out. So sitting in the hotel and you see you see rain flying horizontally. It's like, Jesus Christ, I have no idea what's going on. And then you watch the Weather Channel, which I've never really watched before, you know, because there's really no need down in Santa Barbara to watch a to watch the Weather Channel. Um, it'll be probably much of the same every day. So watching the Weather Channel and, and knowing that every other week there's there's a hurricane or a tropical storm coming in, it's uh, definitely a different environment, um, but a fun one for sure. Adds a little bit of excitement. Hotel wasn't good enough. You had to go to the van. So I, I want to see it. Honestly, I want to see the van. I bet it's sick. Well, you'll see it eventually. I'll be around Caesar throwing uh, bullpens and stuff like that leading up to shipping out. So we'll okay. see it. Okay. Any any funny stories from the summer? Any funny stories? Or or like the best part of it? Come on, McGreevy. You got to have something, man. Dude, I don't. <laughs> I don't think I got anything. I mean, we did have – right before I got moved up to the low A team, um, I guess there was a game going on. And a couple guys went back to the locker room and went on Instagram live during the game. And they got caught. So there were no more phones allowed in our clubhouse right, be right before the game. So we were just sitting like on like just in our lockers, just looking at each other. <laughs> and every time like a guy was caught with their phone or manager would come in and say, hey, no phones in the floor house. No more. And like he like literally took the guy's phone, like threw it in the locker. He's like, "No more! I told you, no more!" <laughs> it was just. Are you guys getting fined for that, McGreevy? I they think hand out fines for that. I think some guys got fined. Other guys, it was just like, "Hey, like I know you're new. Like, hey, no phone. We're not allowed phones for the rest of the year." But it was it was crazy, and like it's kind of sucked too. Like right before a start, I couldn't listen to any music, and I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm kind of in my own thoughts. You didn't yeah, think about you didn't think about going and getting like a 
like an, an iPod or a, a CD player. I think it's not a phone. I think those are along the same lines. <laughs> Can you even buy those anymore? Can you buy those anymore, Cannon? You might be dating yourself a little bit there. A, a, C, a CD player? I'm sure somebody, I'm sure you could find I'm it sure somewhere. Everybody has a CD player. Yeah, you got to bring out your cassette player. Can you even hook up headphones to that? Yeah. Just uh, I don't know how not, it works. Not, not, the, not the Bluetooth ones. You can't hook up yeah. the Bluetooth. It's all good. I got, I'm still rocking the wired uh, stock Apple EarPods. So these things are awesome. I see McGreevy rocking them all the time, too. Absolutely. My dad did give me AirPods, though. He's like, you're wearing these. I'm like, no, I like the wired ones. <laughs> I, still have, I still have the wired ones over there. Don't tell dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's good. Okay, let's let's reminisce a little bit. Let's uh, Now that you can look back and reflect, now we're getting to the serious part, uh, what was your UCXB experience like? What was it like being a gaucho? Now that you're looking at it from the other end, let's start with uh, let's start with Chris. Like, here's here's something just to to rattle your brain. Like, what is the difference between day one CT versus CT on the day that you left? What are I some think of the differences? Just my personal my personal growth, um, just as a person, and and I think. You know, over four years in Isla Vista playing for Coach Checks and going to school at UC Santa Barbara, you know, first time you're out on your own, um, cooking for yourself and, you know, doing your own laundry. Um, and for me, looking back on it, I'm really just grateful to, to have been able to spend my four years at UC Santa Barbara and for the person that I've become. And then I am continuing to become because I feel like when I walked in there, you know, I was very immature and, and I thought I had it all figured out. And um, looking back on it, I find that the more I know, the less I realize I have it figured out. And the more I continue to learn, the less I realize that um, less that I know. And, 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 and that's true. I think as I continue to live my life and that's, that's, that's probably the one thing that I'm most grateful for for my four years at UC Santa Barbara is really just, it really just uh, humbled me and prepared me for, for the journey that I'm on. And going in as a catcher and being converted to a pitcher doesn't have anything to do with it. Cause you came in as one position and then you come out as a completely different position. Because there's, you know, there's one thing going from infield to outfield or outfield to infield, but catcher to pitcher, or your position player to to pitcher, like that's a big change as well, and it's wound up absolutely getting you drafted. Yeah, and I, you know it's something that it's uh, it was really I can't take any credit for it. You know, it was Coach Shackets, and and he basically sat me down and said, "You're going to pitch," and um, I'm sure you guys can remember. Probably not you, McGreevy. You probably weren't there yet, but Cannon, at least I you remember. can remember. I was I was probably a bit reluctant, a bit more than I should have uh, to convert, but really pitched before I got to college. Uh, I was an all-American catcher out of high school, you know, so I kind of kind of wear that belt and said, you know, why am I, why am I giving up catching? And I fought checks. I fought checks on it. Uh, it didn't help that we had Eric Yang runner up Buster Posey award uh, <laughs> a year ahead of me as a catcher. But, you know, my mindset was, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to beat him out and I'm going to take his spot. And for checks to tell me, you know, you're going to pitch. It's, um, it's something that I'm grateful for now. And, and, and I appreciate how 
he has that long-term sight in mind, whereas I'm just focused in the here and now. And that's one of the other things that I would say I'm grateful for that I've learned over the last four years is have a longer-term horizon. You, you took that, that anger out on the pitching dummies or the, the overhang above the, <laughs> the, the door. The door. <laughs> <laughs> a few times. <laughs> Maybe a rap soto. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know if that was anger or just actual lack of command and lack of feel <laughs> on the mound. But, you know, it's something that I need to continue to get better at. And it's it's funny talking about it now. But I, but if we were talking about this four years ago, I'd probably still be a little upset about it. <laughs> a little better, bitter. That's that's great stuff, Chris. I love it. Uh, all of it. All right, Mike. Difference between uh, scrawny, two-way hitting, uh, pitching McGreevy on day one versus first round draft pick the day you left? I mean, I think um, it's definitely not going to be as philosophical as what Troy said, but um, it's just a whole lot of growing up for me. I mean, I felt like, you know, I was 18 coming in here. I felt like I was like 14 or 15, especially like being that scrawny little two-way kid that comes in, seeing guys like Troy, Armani, like guys like that, like Link, Mac. I'm like, oh my God, these guys are gigantic. Like I need to totally I don't think I belong here yada yada yada. I was a lot of self-doubt when I first got here but being around like like like-minded guys who wanted to compete wanted to win wanted to make baseball like their profession it helped me like grow into the person I needed to be wanted to be and like just having like got those kind of guys around me like teach me lessons of like how to work hard like the right way to go about my business like guys like Troy it totally helped me shape uh, myself to be the man I wanted to be and I couldn't have asked for a better teammates friends brothers and a coaching staff uh, with Chagas DJ um, all those all those guys pushing me to become the best person I could be that's well said Mike and we have a surprise guest joining at it joining us at an opportune time here very opportune time because we're we're getting philosophical right we're getting philosophical and we're talking about day one versus the day we left and checks. Hey, I'm in the scramble. I'm in the garage. Give you a tour. Looks like you got plenty of shelves and it's all organized. It's good stuff. I know that'll shock you, Kevin. <laughs> we're here with Chris Troy and Michael McGreevy and they were just giving their, their spiel about What's going on coach checks. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Yeah, good to nice see you. Nice little mural, mural you've got it. there. Did you paint that? No, it's uh, Old Town Coffee. Nice. My van, my van that I'm living in doesn't have a desk, so this is where I come to, <laughs> to do podcasts. Understood. Understood. Gaucho House, 2021. <laughs> yes, well. Sir. Checks. Can you do you remember what these two were like as as freshmen when uh, they came in? You know, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they they both matured, but I don't want to I don't want their heads to get too big. Um, <laughs> game will take care of that, but um, yeah, I think in I think in general they both came in, you know, pretty pretty mature and you know really you know had tremendous work ethics and. We're competitive, and um, you know Chris was in a different situation than you know Michael because Michael was came in as you know two way guy, but 
like it was pretty obvious he was going to pitch right away and chris it took us a little time to figure that yeah we 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 kind of just covered it that the uh there was a little bit of catcher versus pitcher and i want to be a catcher i want to hit was there was there maybe a day or two where we thought that chris could be a two-way guy where he could catch and pitch I don't want to speak for Chris, but I think really he wanted to keep hitting. I don't think he wanted to catch 10 bullpens a week. I think he wanted to keep taking batting practice. And we had some moments where we let him do both. So McGreevy's offensive career ended pretty quick. Even, I, even, I, like, I like to think I never got the chance. I got seven at-bats in fall. <laughs> seven. I got seven. And if you would have got 14, you would have got hits in all seven of those other at-bats. I mean, I went three for seven. I, I know this. I know this. All singles, though, so maybe Ferg doesn't like hey, that. Hey, it's worked out all right for you, McGreevy. I wouldn't be complaining. <laughs> no. No, it's worked out. It's worked out both for us. So, <laughs> got no complaints on my end. Absolutely. I got my, right I got my one at bat. My one Absolutely team. not. I was just saying McGreevy's in the right organization. If you all of a sudden can't throw strikes, maybe I'll let him hit. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe you get seven ABs I in did. fall, McGreevy. Seven. seven, three singles. Did you get a hit off Troy? Did you face Troy? Uh, no, I never faced Troy. I he normally pitched on a Saturdays, and that was like I pitched on Thursdays, so that was always kind of like I think that was like a day I would I would be hitting in the scrimmage, but I'd be so far down the lineup, Troy's inning would be done before I was even up to bat. <laughs> you'd be you'd be hitting in the the twelve hole. Yeah, I was probably more like 14, 15 hole. We we saw a lot of batting practice, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Your batting practice is a little different than Chris's. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> a lot more controlled, a lot more just like I have an approach and going all, all fields. Troy's just putting over the net and left. I get it. Yeah, I get it. You, you were tapping the ball. <laughs> and uh, Chris was hitting it over the <laughs> parking structure. That's true. Parking. It was definitely, it was definitely words, fun to watch. It was definitely fun to watch. <laughs> no, I remember throwing first group to CT, right? Throwing batting practice, first group, CT in there, and you're just putting them out over the trees in center routinely. It was kind of like – Yeah, I also you... remember swinging and missing on the field. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Whiffing and batting practice, you can't do that. Um, but Chris, no, I think, I, you know, I mean, I, I – Go ahead. I think really what I missed um, about the conversion was just was just playing every day and really feeling like I was playing baseball. Um, and, you know, I feel like as a pitcher, you don't get the opportunity to play as often, as frequently. Or, you know, in my case, if you're not in the zone, you don't get to play really at all. So, um, you know, I think that was one of the – main things that I wanted to hold on to was just feeling like I was playing baseball every single day and competing. And, and, you know, as a catcher, you're able to do that every single pitch, every single game. How do you coach them through that checks? How do you coach them through that transition to say, you're still going to have an important role. It's just not going to be playing every day. Yeah. I don't know if there's a book for it or an exact science. I think just trying to read where he was at at times and, and there were times where we had him go hit again. Some of that was maybe there'd be some pinch hit right hand power off bench. And some of that was just for him when he was 
struggling a little bit early with the some of the pitching stuff to just get into the to go play again and free him up a little bit and give him some moments at the ballpark where it was enjoyable and fun and he could relax a little bit instead of, instead of it being stressful and and painful. Um, so I you know I think we tried to do some of those things without you know actually having conversations about why we were doing it. Um, but there were some times where we, you know, we had them go back and forth or, or uh, do, do some of that stuff offensively just to try and try and get them to, to play. You know, like you said, he talked about missing that. You know, there's no real – as a pitcher, you do you spend a lot more time training and watching than actually performing. Um, Baseball is a lot like that, you know, even hitting. But you, know, you get to play every day, and there's, there's more performance from a position player standpoint. So that is, that is a little bit difficult. Um, for guys to make that transition, but you know, Chris was also a bullpen reliever, so you do have to show up to the a lot of points of his career. Besides, when he's as an opener, and you do have to come to the ballpark ready to go um, most of the time as a reliever, because you don't know you know when your name's going to get called. Well, let, let's fast forward to to last year, just because for for time's sake, and I got to go checks. But these two guys turned into leaders in your clubhouse. They turned into leaders on the field. They turned into leaders of, of the pitching staff, the, the, the hound pounds. So how do you view them as, as pieces of your program in your, in your 11 years? I don't, I don't want to say rank them, but they're, they're, pretty inform, or they're pretty important, and recency bias does play a role in this. But, like, how are these guys compared to some of the leaders that you've had on some of your better teams in the past? Yeah, and we've had some good stretches, you know, periods of time where there were, you know, two or three years in a row of, you know, good stretches, the 15-16 group. Um, but, you know, the, these guys, the last three years, I think they went, you know, 99 and 30 um, over that time and, and finished, I think, each of the last three years. You're ranked in the top 25 in some polls, so they've they've been part of a you know a, a really good stretch for the Gauchos in regards to you know the win loss column, um, and I don't think that's an accident. I think there was um, you know Chris brought energy every day, and it was verbal and vocal energy, and um, there were if you took a, a day off, you were probably going to hear hear about it from him. And um, McGreevy was always competitive and always on its business from day one and, and was a, a high level performer from day one. I think a lot of people looked up to him based on his early on, his ability to pitch. I don't think he was as comfortable in the leadership role early on, but was able to gravitate and mature into that. So um, yeah, it's hard to rank them, but they're definitely in that group of, you know, elite guys that have not only, you know, worked hard, but if, have been on winning teams and helped lead teams um, to have success. And I, you know, I think that's, when you're talking about the leadership, um, leadership qualities, you know, that production and performance of the group that you're around, you see that with the, you know, the greats, you know, the Michael Jordans and Derek Jeters and, you know, the guys like that, that, you know, not only were they able to lead, they were able to lead their team to some glory. And I think those guys are in that mix of, of having the ability to, to do that, you know, on the field and in the dugout and in the weight room. Yeah, we and they led this team to a Big West championship for the first time in 33 years, Big West champions in 2019. So you got a, a crown out of it, a ring, 
and and two outstanding gentlemen. And I want to I want to give uh, them the platform to tell checks or to explain like what playing under Coach Jacobs was like uh, and what it's meant to them moving on to their professional careers. So I don't know who wants to go first, uh, but this will be. Yeah, I can't bench you guys anymore either. Make your run. <laughs> So you can be honest. <laughs> Good, bad, and ugly. Well, I do. I do live with uh, some current players right now. So if I do say some mean stuff, they might take the force of that. So I mean, it was just like I couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, I definitely wouldn't be in the position I am without Coach Jackets and all the coaching staff that I had there um, in Santa Barbara. So I mean, it was. For pitching going to be um, kind of like my future, there couldn't have been a better fit and a better coach with a better mentality and like how to make me into the player I am today. And I couldn't be more more grateful. CT? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I echo a lot of the stuff that McGreevy said. You know, I, I think um, the person I was when I showed up day one of UCSB, the person that I left as was a, was there was there was tremendous growth um in between there and 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 i owe a lot of it to coach check it's in the ucsb baseball program and, and ucsb just as an institution um and i couldn't be more grateful i couldn't have done it any better i don't regret anything um and and really just beyond blessed to be able to have that opportunity okay. thanks guys for the kind words and i don't want to you know sound like i've got you know, a false sense of humility when I say this, because I, I do, I do believe it, but, um, you know, and, and I, I think I, I tell players this a lot, but, you know, I, I can be the best race car driver in the world, but if I'm driving a Prius and Indy 500, you know, it's, it's pretty irrelevant and, you know, good players and make good coaches. And so, and that's not just skill level, that's mentality and work ethic and, you know, we get to be here and help try and create an environment for them to grow in. But, um, you know, nobody would know who John Wooden was if he didn't have, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, and Bill Walton. He had some, he had some really good players. So um, I, I think that's a, the foundation. And again, not just talent, it's the makeup and, um, and, the, and the personalities of those groups. So um, I'm grateful for these guys and for, you know, what they contributed to the program and, and for, you know, making the making me look smart at times. All right, thanks, Chex. We'll we'll let you go. You got you got stuff to attend to, and uh, we'll keep we'll keep uh, doing the good thing here on the Gotcha Nine Pod. So thanks for jumping on this morning. Thanks, guys. I'll see you all of you soon. Thanks, Coach Chex. Okay. Did you guys like that? That was, I, I put a little pressure on you. You had to be sentimental. No pressure at all, Kevin. Not yeah. at all. Bottom of the ninth. Those are two curveballs. Two two curveballs in this podcast. I got to start asking you for show notes, Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did set that one up. I did not set up the number I thing. I think I'm still rattled. Yeah, I think I'm still rattled about that. Honestly, I think that checks. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what is going on? I need to start preparing for these. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Uh, a couple more things I want to get to before we finish up. We want to get to like the best memory of of your gaucho career or the best game or the best performance and alumni weekend so let's go with uh, your your best memory or your best performance as a gaucho 
What do you got, Chris? Um, you know, for me, I think it was it was at that Arizona regional in uh, June, and and after we lost and we got eliminated, um, and just to be there with with my team and my teammates and the coaching staff and you and you know everyone that I felt like I spent I put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in really uh, for four years, and to see that kind of come to an end was more so. Um, a moment that I felt, you know, just I did it to the best of my ability and I was truly content and obviously nobody likes to lose. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't happy with losing at the Arizona regional. Um, but after the moment that I kind of realized that, you know, your college career is over, uh, is, is, is a pretty strong moment. And I couldn't be more grateful for the people that I had the left and right of me. It's a unique it's a unique feeling, I think. And I've experienced it, it a few times. I've experienced a few times here where, you know, not you – know, there's only one team, and it's, it's a kind of a cliche, but there's only one team that can win the last game of the season, right? But when you're in the, in the throes of the season, all you're thinking about is, okay, what's next? What's next? You're thinking about the next game, the next practice, prepping for the next show, whatever it is. You kind of – you get wrapped up in the, the flow of it. And you don't get to really reflect on it. And then when it comes to the end and there's, it comes a time during that last game where you start to recognize it and then you settle and, and you are, you're comfortable with it. It happens. And then at the end you're like, okay, you get to reflect on everything that had happened, all the work that went up into it. And if you can be content with your effort, then it's very rewarding. Very, very rewarding. And I've had that feeling a few times in Arizona was one of them. You go out and you stand on the field and you kind of take this big exhale and you're like, wow, like that was fun. And I can't wait to do it again. It was a good ride. So good no, ride. And just no, knowing you're never going to be able to suit up with the same with the same guys in the same uniform, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough realization. But it, I think to be able to leave it all out on the field and, and, and to be happy with your effort, I think is important. Yeah. And it, it, it ties the bow on on that team like that team it won't it won't happen ever again it's done it was a beautiful thing right it's it's not going to be repeated it's going to be recreated in different ways but it's never going to be the same and then you live with that and you that's what you carry with you the rest the rest of the way absolutely okay not taking any wind of michael sales but what do you got for us yeah. Obviously, the Big West would be the best, um, but I would have to go with Troy again with um, just being in that Arizona regional. And while like it wasn't the result we wanted, and like just being out there in left field with all the guys and thinking about everything that happened that year, um, like with the COVID, with everything COVID-wise, not being able to go out and like see the guys and all hang out at one house together, just you know, just kick back and have fun. It was just, yeah, you wake up, you play some video games with your four roommates, have some food, go to the field. And yeah, that was our day basically on repeat. And it wasn't an ideal year um, to say the least, but we still got to play baseball. And I'm so blessed to be able to say we got to do that. And for the college career coming to an end, um, it was weird, like the after like the final out was made and we were in left field. All I could think back to was my first day, uh, moving into trop, meeting all the my freshman class, and then 
meeting the new team um, that 2019 year, actually fall of 2018, basically, um, like meeting all the new guys that I've seen on Instagram, like the social media before when I was still in high school, like Troy, like Tevin, like Armani, like those guys. And then like thinking about how those are like brothers for life and how like I never thought like something like college baseball could have impacted my life like this much to where I'm breaking down crying on ESPN and they keep panning the camera to me, bawling my eyes out, <laughs> hugging, like, hugging my friends. But it was an experience unlike any other. And like Troy said, it was a moment I was very proud of despite losing that I could say I left it all out in the field. And it was tough to take those cleats off in the locker room, though. Man, you guys are really sentimental. I love it. Just really men sentimental. In, men in touch with their emotions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I've got, I've got this question that came to mind. Uh, what was like a breakthrough moment? for you guys individually like like for chris like it would be some something that happened in a bullpen or in a scrimmage where you're pitching where you're like okay i can figure out this pitching thing or like for michael like maybe your freshman year like when you first come in into your like a four inning relief stint and and you realize that you can hang like stuff like that where it's kind of a breakthrough could maybe it could be a practice it could be something simple that you don't see on the field yeah. Or like, did, did was there a moment that you guys had where it was like, okay, I belong at this level? Like, uh, for me at least, it was like I never like doubted my ability, and like I knew like I belonged. I was recruited for a reason um, to play on this team. Obviously, looking at how physical the other guys were and how like how hard Chris uh, Lincoln and Shea Barry threw, Troy threw, is like, damn, I got some work to do. But I think the part where I knew I like belonged was after passing my fitness test, my freshman year, we had to do a, like a beep test, push-ups, and like these TRX rows. And if you didn't pass any of them, you had to wear your shirt inside out at practice in the weight room, anywhere. And I couldn't do the TRX rows for the longest time. And it took me like three tries and like DJ was on, was on my ass like crazy. Link was on my ass. Troy was on my ass. And it just, my head was spinning and it affected um, my gameplay, like in scrimmages and inner squads, catch play, bullpens, all that stuff. Cause I didn't feel like I belonged. And mm. like, all the guys thought, like, oh, he's just the skinny, weak kid. He's not trying. He's not trying because he hasn't passed yet. He's not doing his work. And it was honestly, I was working too much because I was doing these TRX pulls like three times a day in like the rec center and I was overworking myself. But when I finally passed, like, and all the guys, like, even though I failed twice, like, everybody around me in the weight room was, like, cheering for me, like, like, slam, like, giving me, like, a pat on the back after I was, like, able to turn uh, my shirt inside out. I felt like I belonged and everything was going to be all right, and I could finally start moving forward um, with the gaucho, get with the gaucho career. Boom. Yeah. Love that. Thanks. Yeah. That's, uh, right on, man. I, I I hear you loud and clear on that, where you just you you can't quite pass, and oh, you're doing the work. So you're doing much. the you're doing the work, and everybody's riding you. That's that's a lot of pressure there. Absolutely, that okay. made me so mad. CT. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think I kind of came into the mindset with you know I'm not here to take part, I'm here to take over, and so maybe 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 
overdid it, definitely overdid it uh, coming in as a freshman. Um, but, you know, I always I always wanted excellence. I always wanted the best for myself, for my teammates and for my team, for the organization, for the ball club, for the school. Um, and I think I think I've always had really high standards. I still do have really high standards. And to be honest with you, there's 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 very few situations I find myself in where I feel like I don't belong. Um, and and every level that I've been to, every step that I keep making forward, um, I know that I belong there because it's consistent, um, deliberate work to get there on my end. And when I finally get to that next level, it's okay. The I'm here because of the work that I put in and I'm not happy being here. I'm not happy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not satisfied. I'm not fully satisfied. And I always want that next level and I always want to keep getting better. Um, and really just keeping the focus on getting better has made me feel comfortable wherever I go, wherever I play, wherever I pitch. I don't have anything to add to that. I don't have anything to add because that's rock solid. And that's it's totally it's totally Chris, and that's and it was totally Mike. Your guys' answers and getting to know you guys over the last few years has been an honor and a privilege. And it's it's been cool to see Michael come back to the yard. I'm looking forward to seeing Chris throw off the the beautifully sculpted mounds that we have now, because of uh, your guys' dear friend Ben Ferris has been helping me out, compacting some clay. So we got money mounds at the field. So you got that to look forward to. We also have uh, alumni weekend to look forward to. I know you guys were psyched about it uh, before we started, but there will be a golf tournament and there will be a uh, social. I don't think there will be a game through the protocol still, but there will be gauchos here uh, hanging out and you guys are excited to, to enjoy that experience. And I think everybody who is a recent graduate in my career has looked forward to coming to alumni weekend. They circled on their calendar when they leave because they want to come back to Santa Barbara. So, you guys psyched? For a absolutely. Long I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're playing. You know, when you play your when you play your alumni game as a player, and you see how much fun the other dugouts have, and it's like, man, I can't <laughs> wait to go be a part of that. You know, because you because Chex wants you to treat it like a real game, and uh, you know, you're trying to get better, and it's a scrimmage, and you're playing you're playing big leaguers. You know, you're playing um, guys who've been in organizations for a long time. You're playing. Um, guys who've had successful baseball careers post-college and, and and to be able to play against those guys and see how much fun they're having. It's just like, you can't wait to be on that side of the ball. Mike? Yeah, my dad was my dad texted me yesterday and like with the alumni date. So he was like, you going to this? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to this. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you coming, Dad? Come on, let's go. <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm going to try to get in for free. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm excited. I'm excited to see everybody. Um, I'm excited to have a good time. And I mean, I'm just excited to be to be around as many gauchos as possible. I think it's a unique culture. It's a unique organization. It's a unique um, coaching staff. And, and, and there's absolutely nothing negative I could say about where I went to school and played baseball for four years. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys prior to Alumni Weekend and on Alumni Weekend with everybody else and we've had a great host had a great host of pro alumni hanging out this fall we had uh jj muno tommy jew 
Eric Yang. We've seen Rod Boone. We've seen some Connor Dand. We've seen who else? Who else has been here? Noah Davis. McLean so, O'Connor. McLean O'Connor. Can't forget Dell. No, he hit, he hits yeah. the golf ball pretty well. Does does McLean? So does Tommy. So does JJ. So does Yang. So uh, there's plenty of stiff competition out there for that golf tournament. I'm sure Biebs and and, and Betty and Nelly and, and Clarky are going to try and defend their crown, uh, whether it's legitimate or not. They're still going to try and defend it. But uh, you guys got to sharpen up your game, especially you, Mike, because you could be a ringer on whatever group you're playing with. So. Sure, I'm excited. Well, I'm definitely hitting the range when I go back home over break. Okay, good. Uh, anything else you guys want to add? Other than that, we'll wrap up and uh, and Sarah goodbyes. All good. Hope to be yeah, on the podcast until I'm forty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cheers I mean, honestly, I just just uh, just want to thank you guys for being here and, ha- and having me on board and talking with you, Mike, and talking with you, Kevin Kim. It's been a it's been a long overdue. Um, and I'm just really, really excited and thankful to be a part of this organization, to be a part of this culture with you guys. Appreciate you, Chris. You're the man. Yes, sir. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. Big part of everything that's going on here. So that's Chris Troy and Michael McGreevy, two upstanding gauchos. And, uh, thanks for taking the time this morning, guys. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Kevin. All right, thank you to Michael and Chris, and thank you to our great sponsors, Kyle's Kitchen and Smart Office Interiors, and thank you to Coach Checkets for taking some time out to jump on the Zoom uh, and give those guys uh, some thoughts and, and some stuff to share. So always fun to reminisce with players who have been through the gauntlet of college baseball and have come out on the other side and are able to reflect about their time at UC Santa Barbara. And uh, lots of guys now in my 11-year career have come through uh, with some great stories uh, and such great growth. And uh, these are just two more examples of that. Okay, next week we will have one more podcast for the fall. We'll have UCSB Analytics on Sean Isaac, Spencer Stewart, and first-time guest Maxine Wong, who has done a ton of great work with the analytics team this fall. So it'll be an entirely analytics podcast and that will be the final one for the fall of 2021 and then when we come back in january we'll have a better idea of how the team's shaping up and we're going to be working towards alumni weekend which is the the final weekend of january and the uh, first series which will be on the road in 2022 schedule is almost complete can't quite release it just yet uh, but we're getting close to finalizing it Uh, it's a good one and there are going to be lots of exciting games at Caesar Wasaka Stadium coming up in the spring. So that'll wrap things up for this pod. My name's Kevin Cannon. Thank you so much for listening. Next week's episode will also be episode number 60, so hitting another milestone. All right, keep an eye out for that, and have a great week.